Hello everyone, my name is David Sneed. I'm a missionary in Lviv, Ukraine, and today we are talking with another David, David Markey. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It is great to hear. What's the weather like over there? Uh, it's uh, it's uh, warmer than usual, It's uh, but uh, yeah, we still have quite a bit of snow on the ground. Snow is melting, so, but it's a sunny day, so. Praise the Lord. So yeah. uh, David is a uh, Calvary Chapel missionary up in Yamal, right? Yes. So uh, he's the, the son of uh, George Markey, the first uh, Calvary Chapel pastor here in Ukraine, um, he, who is actually like one of my heroes. Um, and then uh, George, the other George Markey, the one that's currently pastoring your, your father's old church is uh, your brother. Um, and uh, let's see, Yamal, uh, tell us where that is, just for anybody who doesn't know. Well, Yamal actually literally translates into the earth. So... Uh, but it's uh, it's actually a peninsula. It's probably the peninsula is most well known for uh, the nuclear testing that Russia did a while back uh, when they tested out the Tsar uh, bomba. When uh, yeah, we're not too far away from that little island that's right above our peninsula called the uh, Novaya Zemlya. So we're yeah we're kind of western Siberia, northern western Siberia. So okay, original location. Yeah, praise the Lord. So so like. The Russians really nuked the new world. <laughs> yeah. The new world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, Zemlya means land, not world in the. It, it in can be right? okay. both, yeah. Okay, cool. So, how can people connect with you online if they want to? Um, if they want to, they can connect through Facebook um, or through email, um, uh, davidmarkey at hotmail.com. Or I also have a second email address, davidmarkey22 at gmail.com. Cool. Um, so, yeah, either one of those. Do you guys have a blog or, or something like that? Or if someone no, we don't. support you guys or something like that? Oh, okay. We don't have a blog or anything. Yeah, Facebook's the best way to connect or email. And if, if people want, we can send out a newsletter to whoever's interested in, and that has Sweet. all of our information on it. So, basically, um, I, got a, I got a hot tip. The reason why I invited David on to uh, the, the podcast today was uh, Tim Emerson and I are, are good friends. He's a, another missionary here in, in Ukraine. And he said, you know what? You should have David Markey on and have him tell his testimony. So um, that I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about ministry and then also like uh, you know, COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. so let's, let's start with, uh, you know, where you're from and how did you become to be a missionary, you know, and and all that, and then we'll get into the rest. So. Okay, yeah, so started out, I was born, you know, farmland, Indiana, first first uh, child that my mom had at home, actually, but I'm one of uh, one of nine kids. Uh, I'm the sixth. Um, yeah, I grew up, uh, my oldest brother had uh, four sisters and wanted a brother, so he prayed me into the world, I always say, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then he taught me sports and all that kind of stuff, and that, that kind of uh, took a, a huge a uh, chunk of my life uh, was uh, playing sports and, and interested in that kind of stuff all the time. So he taught me that. He's to blame for all that. Um, but yeah, then um, after that, my parents moved to Kiev in 1992. I was about, I was just turning nine years old at the time Ooh. when we moved. And um, yeah, then I lived there until I was 16 years old. Um, yeah, like you said, my dad was also my hero. He you know, I saw a lot through my parents, through my dad, through my mom, of how they served the Lord, and their example was uh, huge in my life. But 
I left because I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to go to school in the States. And so my parents reluctantly let me go. My mom prayed about it a lot. They let me go to a Christian high school in Indianapolis, Covenant Christian High School. And uh, so, yeah, I played basketball there. And uh, yeah, I think as I was on my own, I started to discover who God was for me. And uh, at first that uh, led me to some rebellious actions, probably like most uh, teenagers. And then, uh, and then eventually led to me really despising the fact that I was created and hmm. a little bit angry with God and putting me before like a decision, heaven or hell. And um, so, yes, because I, I was getting glory from basketball and I liked that, but, you know, I had these conflicting feelings knowing everything I was taught growing up. And um, yeah, so there's a lot to tell, but uh, kind of in a nutshell, um, I went through a pretty hard period from probably my junior year in high school up until my uh, end of my freshman year of of, uh, college um, because I I was doing okay in basketball, um, but uh, was seeking that as meaning in life. and. yeah, so then I, I would take trips to Ukraine uh, every so often, but I had some major major questions. One was uh, I didn't really understand the concept of grace, uh, even though I prayed to receive the Lord as a as a child, and um, I believed what I prayed. I, you know, um, but I still struggled with just understanding why I needed grace. I think because of growing up in a Christian home, if that makes any sense. Oh, dude, uh, I, have, I have basically the same story. But keep going. We can we can talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah. yeah, it was uh it was hard for me to understand all that. So there was uh that and then the other issue like I described before was um yeah, with my uh just not knowing why I existed. I I I would kept at saying to God, you know, if if you you know would have given me a choice whether I wanted to exist or not to exist, I would have said I don't want to exist because I don't want to face all the 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 struggles in life and and the main struggles as a teenager, you know, are are usually, you know, finding a a girl or something like that, you know, a lot of guys struggle with that. And, um, and oh, I, yeah. that was one of my major issues. And then also what I'm here for, you know, I couldn't find purpose and meaning, uh, outside of sports and basketball. And, and you know how that is when you put your trust in that, then it's like your, your life goes up and down based upon how well you're doing in the sport and so on. Yeah, and which, so forth. How well were you doing with basketball? Just to give people a little bit of perspective. Yeah. I mean, so for my high school for, it was a fairly new high school, you know, I was, uh, I started off way down low and then um, I started to get better and better. I put in a lot of effort into that. And, um, I was the first kid then to, to dunk in our high school, which was a big achievement for me at the time. Um, <laughs> no kidding. That's what all of my friends wanted to do when we were. Yeah, exactly. 14, As a high school, you're like, oh, I dunked in a game. So yeah, I was the first one to dunk in our high school. And, uh, but I wasn't like the best player in our high school, but uh, you know, I thought I, I had this expectation that I could get, pretty far so like most kids playing sports they want to go to the NBA and that was my dream as well um, but then I ended up going to I was talking mostly by my grandparents I guess to go to a college near them Kentucky Christian University where both my parents went my grandparents went it's kind of a family uh, college and so I went there to play basketball uh, but the coach switched right at the last minute so when I came the new coach didn't really know me I talked to the old coach and um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed my whole freshman year. I was benched the entire year, basically. Oh, goodness. Uh, even, even though I, I could, like, I mean, physically, I was stronger than all the other guys. I was faster and stuff. But his style of game was uh, mostly reliant upon the three-point 
game and uh, I couldn't shoot three pointers very well. So that was my big. Uh, That's an interesting big... niche strategy. Like, yeah, yeah, he had kind of like a very uh, quick game, which quickness wasn't a problem for me, but it was a quick attack with a three point shot usually, uh, very little post game. And uh, mostly the post guys were there to be able to get rebounds, uh, guard the other post guys, and shoot three pointers. And because I couldn't shoot three pointers, I usually didn't play. I played in a few games. Um, and the games that I played in, I felt like I did great. But for some reason, him and I just didn't get along very well. So uh, my sophomore year, I took off of basketball. And, uh, but then I, I decided I'd go to a different university because of uh, the degree that I wanted to pursue was exercise physiology. And so I went to a nearby university called Moorhead State University, where I ended up graduating from. And uh, I walked onto the basketball team there, and it, it was NCAA Division One. So it's, uh, I was able to make it into the D1 league, I guess you could say, which is a big deal in the States. But oh, yeah. uh, we were, but our, our conference was like the, the uh, lowest conference, <laughs> uh, our lowest team in the conference so at the time. And uh, yeah, I and then David Market came on, and everything changed. And, uh, yeah, I wish, I wish that. Well, back then I would have wished that, but <laughs> God had different plans for me, and I think He used uh, a lot of uh, humbling things uh, to get me to where I am now. Um, and but yeah, it just wasn't working, you know, the the way I planned for it to work. And uh, so I ended up uh, leaving after midway through the season. I left because I realized I was married at the time. I realized I was putting a lot of time into that. And I needed to start focusing on, you know, other things like, you know, a job in the future and, and um, schooling and stuff. So I graduated. I ended up graduating from Moorhead with honors and stuff and um, put a lot of time and effort into that. But towards the very end of that whole ordeal, um, my last semester there uh, was when I got the call about my dad was being sick in Kyrgyzstan. Mm-hmm. So um, the university let me go to to uh, be with him in Kyrgyzstan and help out there. And um, it was there that really life started to start to have the, the same questions kind of coming back. But um, just to back up just a little bit, because uh, uh, the important parts, like I was saying, is about the issue of grace and the, the question of, yeah, of yeah, yeah. Uh, existence. So the grace issue is interesting how God dealt with that with me. Um, was uh, I would come back to Ukraine every summer during my school years. And um, I would, yeah, I, I ended up playing a lot of basketball in Kiev and just hanging out with, with my friends there. Um, and there was one summer that I went and uh, I was with a friend in Rayeshina, which is like on one end of the city and Irimki, where we lived, was on the other side of the city. You probably know those places. So a pretty long way away so uh my friend yeah, like, and I, we for anybody there. watching that's just suburb of kiev so yeah. yeah opposite ends of the city and uh so yeah we were we drove there in his car and uh he ended up locking his keys in the car my dad oh, was yeah. at an outreach at the time and uh we had no way of getting anywhere you know because uh had no money with us his wallet was in the car and everything so <laughs> anyway we uh i called my dad uh and I was like, hey, dad, we need you to come pick us up. We're stuck here, you know. And he's like, honey, I can't. I'm at an outreach right now. Well, being in the position I was at the time where everything was about me, uh, yeah. I was just angry. And uh, so I, we got home. I don't even, you know, to be honest, I don't even remember how I got home. I just remember I was seething with anger at the time. A lot of like, I used to listen to a lot of like the angry music stuff that, that kind of fed into my anger, like Linkin Park and 
all these different ones that, you know, good music, but at the same time, you can feel their emotions through the music. And it really had an impact on my life at the time because I was just feeding that flame of anger, you know. And um, I remember him getting home from the, the outreach because I, I got home and my mom was like, what's wrong? She could tell something was wrong. And I said, well, you know, I told her the story and she's like, well, just wait until the, your dad comes home. We'll talk to him. And, and so he sat down on one end. And he's like great outreach you know this thing just happened and he's sitting on the opposite side of me and uh he you know he's like yeah so what happened you know what's what's going on and so I just let him have it I, again I don't even remember much of what I said uh but I remember just telling him he was a horrible father that he cared more about his ministry than he did his kids and uh just all these things you know and uh, he sat on the other side kind of shocked but, but he's like I think because he's relating like the outreach and what I'm telling him at the same time, he's like, did Satan get into you? <laughs> so I was like, oh, it just made me even more mad. Uh, but after mm -hmm. that ordeal, was, so that was my, you know, uh, relationship at that moment with my dad. But then, so this other time he gave me, he let me take the car, uh, the Opal. He had, they had a, a car that they were using at the time. And uh, and I went with another friend to play basketball again. And so we drove the car out there. You know, I was kind of happy boasting that I, I could drive, you know, I had my license, that's a big deal in Kiev because not most guys my age didn't have a, a license at the time, especially. And so uh, we drive out there and play basketball, you know, I'm in, in Kiev at the time I was a star. I was like Michael Jordan, you know, for everybody because I'm dunking over everybody and all that kind of stuff. And people are like, Oh, you know, <laughs> so I'm getting all this glory and stuff. So I'm all pumped up with pride and uh, we're driving back, you know, and I'm, I, I just feel, you know, like the King at the time. And we were uh, approaching a stoplight that was flashing already, ready to turn uh, colors and uh, red. And after it, there was this, uh, you know, the crosswalk for people. And in front of me is a Land Cruiser, a black Land Cruiser. And uh, he, I, somebody started crossing the road, so he slams on his brakes. I slam on my brakes, but my little car's just like, and smash into the tail end of this uh, pretty nice, black land cruiser you know and black land the mafiosos drive over here like yeah like mafioso or somebody important you know in, in mm -hmm. russia so uh or in uh, kiev at the time so anyway the guy gets out and our car is just totaled but the crazy thing is is i i hit if you know a land cruiser they have their spare tire at the bottom of the car and i hit the bottom side of the tire and it took his spare tire totaled my entire car <laughs> and nothing not a scratch on his car it was incredible i don't know how that happened but uh but anyway our car's totaled i'm cussing and my friend Aleg at the time like he he didn't really know where i was at but he's like looking at me with wide eyes like what is going on with this guy because i had, i was the one that brought him to church initially and uh and so we call my dad my dad comes out in the church van uh but the, he gets there and the first thing he asks is he's like are you guys okay is everybody okay and i'm like expecting him to be like what did you do you know <laughs> but no he comes and he's like are you guys okay and so then he he kind of like takes over and and deals with the whole situation phone numbers everything with the guy the guy drives off totally fine calls the tow truck i he, he tells me go, go sit in the van it's okay i'll deal with it so i go sit in the van but i'm like hunched down in the back of the van you know like just shame you know complete shame went from pride to shame in a matter of seconds and uh, my friend Oleg gets in the car he sits in the front with my dad they talk the whole way home after they deal with the car and stuff and I'm just sitting back there like as miserable as, as can be we get to uh 
to our apartment building. I go up to the, it's the 15th floor. So we go up to the 15th floor and uh, my dad goes in and, you know, he's talking to mom. I go out to my balcony and I'm just like, I wish, I wish I knew God didn't exist. I would just jump. I don't want to live right now. Like everything just seems to be pointless. And uh, my mom came out, she tried to comfort me. And then uh, I said, he's never going to trust me. And she's like, who are you talking about? I was like, my dad. I was like, dad's not going to trust me anymore, you know, with cars or anything. Cause I, I just showed how irresponsible I am. And she's like, you, then you don't know your father. And those words rang in my ear at first. And then I was like, yeah, I do. I mean, he's not going to be too happy with this. But then uh, she went in and apparently got him. He came out to the balcony and he came in out and he put his big, huge arm around me. And uh, he's like, and I was like, dad, you know, you know, and I didn't really say much else. And I just start crying. He's like, David, he's like, I can replace a car, but I can never replace you. He's like, everything's okay. And I mean, I'm just bawling at the time, you know, just like full of emotions. Here's this guy who I had like just told him he's a horrible father that he, you know, doesn't care about his family. And here he's just like, don't worry about it. It's just a car, you know? And um, I remember then getting back to the States and I didn't have a car to drive at the time. He helped me buy a car be able to drive while I was back in the States, total trust again to let me drive. And just this, I mean, a, a true picture of grace, you know, at the time. And, and for me, that was the first time I experienced what grace was. Whereas, you know, most of the time you hear about it here, I experienced it in a really real way. And uh, that was one huge moment that, that shifted everything in my life. Um, and then the second one, uh, sorry, I'm, am I going too long? Oh, dude. Need- you're you're fine. This is my job is to keep you talking as an interviewer. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> well, so that's apparently keep going, no problem. So. It's a very it's a very interesting story. I love hearing about people's lives. So like God, it's God's story of grace, you know, yeah. in David Markey's life. So praise the Lord. Keep yeah. going, bro. Okay, great. Well, so yeah. So then the second part is is um, my brother's wedding, George, uh, my my younger or my oldest brother George. Um, he had a wedding and they were going to have it in California. Chuck Smith was supposed to do the wedding. and um, Oh, Chuck was supposed Sharon. to do it. Yeah, he actually did. He, he performed the wedding. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. I was uh, invited, not only invited, but I was asked to be his best man, my brother's best man. So it was like an honor. But then I found out you have to give a best man speech. And I was like, oops. <laughs> so I make it out to California and we have a great time with my family. Um, you know, I was feeling pretty down at the time. I'd been, it, this was after the other situation. And, um, I was much more humbled at this point in time. Uh, and, uh, but really just struggling with, I think also with the, you know, relationship side of things, didn't have a girlfriend, just kind of sad about all that stuff and feeling like I wasn't. Did you have a period there where like all of your friends, like literally all of them had a girlfriend and you didn't, because I remember that. Yes, I did. I did. point in Bible college, it was like, just like drove oh, me nuts man like yeah. yeah yeah i mean i was it, i was in high school at the time but the but that was what it was in high school you know and uh the girl that i liked she like she already had a boyfriend and he was in college and it was just like never mind you know so i it, it was just like not gonna happen is what it felt like and so you know my family tried to comfort me but you know the family comforts like yeah yeah you guys are supposed to do that so yeah, uh, yeah say good things and all that whatever so anyway i i got there but i still had a great time spending uh time with my my sisters my family my mom my dad they took me out shopping which was a big deal for me because i 
I was working in, in high school to try to be able to like get close for basketball and stuff like that. But they took me out and they bought me some shoes, some shorts, some shirts for basketball and stuff, which was cool. And um, yeah, it was really fun. And uh, then, so then, yeah, my brother's wedding and I'm just worried about this best man speech the whole time. But still, you know, the whole issue with the not having a girlfriend and just feeling meaningless, you know, in the world and like, God, why did I have to exist at all? And um, so anyway, the time comes for the speech, the reception time. I hadn't written anything down. I'm, I'm all nervous. And I, I had speech class. I remember the first time I had speech class, I'm like sweating, pouring sweat, you know, handshaking. And, and it was the same type of situation. And when I sweat, it just goes straight to my eyes and I'm like tearing up. So I'm up there sweating. and, and uh, but I just start talking about what I know about my brother. And so I, I said, you know, he prayed me into the world. So if anybody wants to blame uh, anybody for my life, then, it, then it's him, you know? And uh, I said, but you know, he, he wanted me to come into the world because, uh, because he wanted somebody to share the world with. He wanted to show how cool things were and how you can enjoy sports, how you can enjoy the different aspects of life. And he wanted a brother, you know, somebody like him to be able to share that with him. He had four sisters, and so I was just kind of sharing that whole thing. And as I'm sharing it, like lights are coming on inside my head. Wait a second. So, so he prayed me, but he wanted me to exist because, because he wanted to show me how awesome life is. He wanted to show me something cool. I was like, could it be that that's why God created me? Is not just to be like, okay, you know, here you go, now live and figure it out. Yeah. But maybe he actually created me in, in all all of humanity initially to show something i mean and that's what it is you know we know that in scripture now and i mm. it's like duh you know <laughs> for most believers but at the time it was just such a revelation to me it's like oh god god wants to do something cool he wants to show me how awesome not just he is but everything he's created and he wants me to enjoy it and enjoy him through that you know and uh so all of a sudden these lights are coming on and i'm crying partially because sweat is going into my eyes. So everybody in the audience is crying as I'm sharing this whole, you know, like story about my brother. Cause I think I'm crying about that. Um, which maybe partially I was, but, uh, anyway, so, I mean, just an incredible time. I felt like that was one of those times where it's like the Holy spirit just was opening things up to me at that moment. And, uh, so all of a sudden that an, an answer to that question, why I exist all of a sudden started to make sense. Mm. And, um, so that was the second really transforming moment of my life. Um, and then back to the story of, of going to Kyrgyzstan. Um, this was already the last year of college. I, this was my fifth year because uh, first year I didn't know what I was doing. So I just took the minimal amount of credit hours. Um, so this last semester out there with my dad, he's laying on a hospital bed in Kyrgyzstan, which is, you know, a third world country. Terrifying. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, you go through the, the hospital and you see if you could call it a hospital but you, you walk through there and there's you know they're drying their their rubber the you know surgeon's gloves are drying on the heater yeah. in the hallway you know yeah. and yeah. you're like oh, i don't know that i want to be operated here but they didn't have a choice it was like an emergency exploratory surgery um they thought at first it was is an appendix rupture but it ended up being his pancreas um, and he had what you call necrosis of the pancreas. So they had to remove the, the part that was killing itself. And he had a, they said he had a 13% chance of survival. And so, uh, you know, we all rushed there as quickly as possible from the different parts of the world we were in. And, um, I, Deborah came with me and my wife and, uh, 
she spent most of the time at the home, you know, but I spent as much time as I could. I wanted to do help as much as I could just being with him because we had to take care of him, change his bedpan, um, and just take care of him in the, in the room that he was in. And I can't really describe the room, but you, I know you can definitely imagine, but it's just this no air conditioning, no nothing. You're just sitting in this room. That's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. It just looks I've, like a, a, I've been a patient in Ukrainian hospitals. Oh yeah. And, so you definitely know. <laughs> well, but I've also visited uh, hospitals in Bishkek. Oh wow. In okay. Kyrgyzstan. And the condition, like uh, a Ukrainian hospital would be hard for an American that's not used to being here. Or, you know, it, it would be hard. Yeah. Uh, a hospital in Kyrgyzstan would be hard for Ukrainian. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. like, like that there, it's such a contrast. Yeah. Like I can only imagine what you guys were feeling. Yeah, so. it was, I mean, it was crazy. I, I was looking at my dad. I mean, for yourself, you're like, yeah, sure. I could sleep here. You know, it's like a, you're a guy, you can handle those types of things, you know, but looking at my dad, he had these tubes sticking out the sides, you know, that was supposed to be draining fluid from inside his body. And they're just like these, it just looked like rubber hoses really from like a car or something. They don't even look like, you know, like nothing, everything's makeshift because they don't have the materials. They don't have the things they need to great doctors, you know, but the, they don't have what they need to be able to do what they need to do. And uh, even the conditions. So um, yeah, I'm just laying there thinking, God, why are you, is this happening to him? You know uh, I was looking at him thinking if somehow I could switch places with him because like my life, you know, is meaningless, but his, like, he's doing so much for you and done so much for you, you know, like, he's much more bold than I am. He's, he's just got this personality that he just, I mean, you can see the, that your grace is pouring out of his life. He loves people. He just, everything about my dad was like, you know, like you described, he's my hero. Why would you take him, somebody who can do all these things for you, and not take somebody like me who does absolutely nothing for you, you know, like I just live for myself basically. And so I'm like having these realizations about myself in contrast to my dad at the time and realizing that, yeah. And, and I'm just like crying in the hospital bed next to him. Uh, I mean, it was the year though that, that uh, by the way, the Colts won the Super Bowl. So I was able to relay that message to him at the time. And, and uh, so we had like these moments, but he, most of the only time he ever reacted were in moments like that. Or when I, I, I was saying something, he really, if he really wanted to say something at the moment, he would say it. But other than that, he was in, in deep pain, no morphine, no like, you know, pain medicine and stuff at the time. And uh, so, yeah, just having those realizations at the time and, and uh, they've, thank God they were able to evacuate him to the States because the doctor there said he'll die if, if you don't evacuate him because they don't have the things that they need to be able to help him recover. Um, so uh, churches in the States help with that. It's a, it's a long story about that whole ordeal, but, but basically mm -hmm. when I went back to the States, I, I started, I started back in college. I had this expectation that he would start to get better, that I'd be able to be with him while he was recovering after I finished college. Yeah, that of he course. could like decide, disciple me somehow. Cause I, I had made this, decision in my head I want to change I want to be like that I want to like have meaning and purpose into what I'm doing and stuff so I thought who better to disciple than, than my dad you know who who's lived it out all his life and so uh, I had this deep expectation that that would happen but then uh, one day after coming back from college I remember going upstairs and uh, getting a call from my mom and you know just I knew as soon as I started talking to her is like what what happened you know Mm -hmm. and uh, I just fell on the floor bawling at the time and just remembering that yeah 
I mean, I just saw him, you know, he seemed fine. Uh, but he had a blood clot in his leg that traveled to his heart, massive heart attack, um, due to the whole process of, of you know, due to the pancre- uh, necrosis of the pancreas and stuff. Uh, so, but, you know, um, crazy things started to happen. His funeral was something that I'll never forget. We were all bawling, and then they played a message from his, uh, one of his messages in Kiev, I think it was, and uh, where he's saying, you know, what are you guys crying down there for? I, you know. It's great up here. I'm I'm great. What I I'm I'm crying for you guys down there. You guys should, you know. He's like, I can't wait for you guys to get up here and stuff. So we're all smiling then, and then it turns wow. into a worship session, and the whole funeral was just incredible. After that, it was like uh, God did an amazing work in a lot of people's lives, and you just I just saw how how impactful his life was, not just on us, but on so many other people, and and I think it pushed a lot of us, not just uh, yeah. I think it was yeah what pushed a lot of us kids to do within what we're we're doing now as being missionaries and it sent it sent my wife and I onto Hungary where then I remember giving my life to God there as far as like saying okay you take the reins do what you want to do and that's where I feel like His Holy Spirit just totally took over and uh, and that's how we ended up up here I mean uh, kind of in a nutshell that's yeah I'm gonna link uh, distant fields on the in yeah. the in the video description um i remember the day that i heard that your dad was gone and i was in missouri uh leading worship in a church down there um and it was after the first time that i had come to ukraine in 2006 and uh i think that might have been your dad's last kiev conference maybe mm-hmm something like that. So I got to hear him speak. Uh, he talked about, I think it's first Timothy four, one through five. I remember that message, you know, uh, uh, I think it's that, uh, that passage. I, I know the verses that it's like, be, uh, uh, always being ready, not always being ready. Do, do the work of an evangelist is the, the last verse anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I remember feeling at that conference that I was supposed to come back something like that. And then when I heard it was, you know, a year later or, or however long that was, uh, when I heard that your dad was gone, I, f- I remember feeling this tug, like, David, you're supposed to be over there. Like, mm. you know, and then it wasn't, it was probably th- three more years later that Mike Pratt invited me over. So it was all that wow. time. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, f- wow. So your dad was, you know, a bit, a part of bringing me here. So, yeah, yeah, you know. I feel so connected to so many people through his life. Like, yeah, I didn't realize, like, even the impact he had on so many lives, you know, just because he lived this this simple but, but profound life in, in following Christ. And it's just like, yeah, it was impactful, you know, because it was God, because it was what he was doing, you know. And what he did in this this guy who was a farmer from Indiana, you know, who uh, used to be this this hooligan, you know, in school and just this, you know, partier and all that kind of stuff, you know. But, yeah, but yeah just the transforming power of God's love. And, and uh, yeah, now I feel so connected, you know, to you, to so many others, just how he cha- it changed our lives, how God changed our lives through, through this testimony. So, yeah. cool. 
Praise the Lord. Just for anybody that's watching that doesn't know Distant Fields is, uh, it's written by your brother-in-law, right? Uh, yeah, Jed. Yeah. So he, he tells a story of George Markey going over uh, first, I think he took a trip to Russia at first and then Ukraine. It was like, right? a, yeah, they, they traveled to several different places, but it, uh, yeah, they traveled through Russia, then Ukraine, and yeah, former Soviet Union. Yeah. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, tell us more about what you're doing now and how, how'd you get to your mall? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So what we're doing now is, um, yeah, when, when we at the Bible college, I looked up the Joshua project I was looking for people groups that didn't know very much about Jesus. And I found these people, this people group called the Ninets. And, uh, I mean, there's some crazy wild stories in that whole thing, too, of how God got us up here. Because first we went to Bishkek for three years because we couldn't get here. And um, we didn't have any connections or anything. And uh, But God kept reminding us. Like my wife logged out of a pot mill one time, and there was like this MSN picture of the day. It was this ninja child sitting on a oh, wow. makeshift swing set. And, you know, then we get mail from the states that her mom would send us uh, while we were at the Bible college. It has the like a stack of mail. And then the top thing was this thing from, from Wycliffe about people starting to translate the Bible into the Ninyat language. And the whole thing was about the Ninyats. And we're like, just out of the blue things, you know, that you're like, that can't be an accident, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, but it just didn't work to get here. And so we were living in Bishkek and the third year that we were there, um, Jed Gorley, the one that wrote the book, Distance Fields, uh, he was a missionary there uh, as well. Married to my sister, Renee. And, um, he sent me this, uh, forwarded me this message from Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. And it was a, a message about these two guys, Pasha and Eager, that go from Calvary Chapel, Philly to Yamal to do concerts, to travel up the Ob River, and to tell the Ninyats and Conti and the local people groups about Jesus. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, but in this, in this newsletter they sent out, it was talking about how they're praying that there'd be somebody, a family maybe that would move there uh, permanently to be able to like minister to the people and, and wow. help with uh, disciple the people who are coming to the Lord. And I was like, I'm reading it like that's us. <laughs> so wow. I, um, yeah, I took a trip up with them in, in 2012. And uh, when I came, uh, I mean, I hit the ground running. I took a 54 hour train ride from Moscow up here whoa and, uh, dude 54 hours in a russian train yeah it was it was crazy but guess what i was i was in a in the plotskot you know what which is like the third class or whatever um and all of the passengers that i was with were uh Ninyets and conti and they were traveling from an amway conference in moscow <laughs> wow <laughs> that was so crazy but they're teaching me Ninyat's words and they're, you know, telling me about their culture and I'm, I'm telling them about Jesus. And I mean, it was so cool. It was, uh, there's this babushka on the train too, just like, you must be a spy, you know, you must be a spy. But then at the end of the trip, I'm sitting down with her reading the Bible and, uh, you know, she's looking at my Bible. She's like, you've marked everywhere in your Bible. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I do it to help remember, you know, what the Lord said to me and stuff. And she's like, you really know what you're talking about. She's like, how do you know the Bible so well? I, I said, I told you, I'm not a spy. I love Jesus, you know? <laughs> and she's just like looking at it like, oh my goodness. So uh, she's like, well, how do you know what the right church is? How do you know if you're going the right? So we got to talk and it was really a really cool trip, you know, the first 54 hours, but I mean, God blessed it. And then when I got here, it was at, uh, in the evening, it was like uh, 11 PM and I get off the train, Pasha and Eager, I meet him for the first time. I'm like, David, I'm sorry, but you know, 
we have to go on this trip tonight. Um, you can either go with us or you can just stay, you know, stay at the place we're staying at right now. And I said, uh, I'll go with you guys. So at 3 a.m. we get in the, this little van and we start traveling on the winter frozen river, which is the way to get to villages. And they wanted to go at night because you can see better at night because uh, it's all white, you know. So during mm -hmm. the day, it all kind of like uh, it's too bright. But during the night, it's perfect time to travel. So we're traveling. That's crazy, we get, man. It is. So we're traveling on this river. I'm just like, whoa, this is nuts. <laughs> we're traveling on this river. And, and, you know, we get stuck for three hours at a time at, at times because it's snowing and snow drifts are, are building up and stuff. But we make it to the first village, do a concert, crazy response. We're supposed to go to this next one, but we get stuck three times and, and just nine hours later, we're all like, look, you know, maybe it isn't God's will for us to go to this next village. So we turn around, we head back and we make it back. But um, anyway, the whole trip was was crazy. And uh, what I did was I wrote down everything, I you know, that I could because the Internet was bad here at the time. Um, but I, I wanted to relay everything to Deborah that I saw. I got to go out to the tundra, be with maniacs in the tundra, stay in the teepee experienced some crazy cultural things you know they, they uh did a reindeer drank the blood all that stuff uh, i Dang didn't drink the blood uh I, I i didn't think i could at the time i was afraid i was gonna puke and embarrass myself so uh they they said no it's okay we know your stomach can't handle it uh, so but I, I was there like with all that stuff. So i was like oh my goodness. gracious hosts man they were very gracious it was nice but i did eat reindeer tongue and and all these other crazy things raw reindeer meat uh and you know I'm sure that's some good stuff because that's like oh, it's got to be so clean. I was know? like, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I'm I can't stomach fish even when it's cooked, but when it's uh, okay. raw, frozen, it was like, oh, oh I had it was to raw, it dude. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, the raw. But Kyrgyzstan had to prepare you at least a little for that, right? I mean, Paul Billings. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, Paul I mean, Billings took us to the Korean restaurant, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I can stomach cook things a little better than I can raw things, though, oh, so. sure. but I, I'm starting to get used to it. So it's, uh, but it's crazy. So, so anyway, yeah, so crazy trip, but I went back to tell Deborah about the whole trip. And what was cool is we, we had left our kids with, um, with my sister, Melanie at the time and, and uh, her husband, Paul, uh, who were also missionaries there at the time. And we had an awesome team in Kyrgyzstan, just this great team that was functioning together. Oh yeah. And, and the church was, was doing great. Oh yeah, but we just felt like this is where we were called. But but we we decided we would pray about it, and so we left the kids with with my sister so that we could uh, spend time praying. And um, we uh, I told her about the whole trip, and at the end she's like, "Well, sounds pretty radical. I guess if God wants us to go there, he you know he should show us." And I was like, "Yeah, I agree." I was like, "He'll have to show us very clearly that that's where we're supposed to go." So we we kind of left our prayer off with that. You know, God show us please very clearly if this is where we're to go. So then we decided to take a walk, pick up the kids. It was a beautiful day. We had a car, but we decided it was just three bus stops. So we walked, pick up the kids. We get the kids, we get on this bus. And this is Bishkek. Uh, you know what it's like. So you get on this bus, but there's this TV screen at the front of the bus. And you're like, a TV screen on a bus in Bishkek? What is this about? So we sit up there in the front, you know, where the, where the driver's at, where the screen's at, because we have kids. So they set us, like, the people literally move you there with your kids and set you down, you know, because you have kids. And uh, so we're sitting there, you know, not by our choice. We would have stood in the back, but, and we start looking at the screen. We only have three bus stops, mind you. Uh, so it's showing them at National Geographic, this map of Russia. And we're like, huh, ah, that's crazy, you know. Uh, and then it kind of 
narrows down to Siberia, which is two thirds of Russia, which is still a huge part of Russia, you know, and oh, that's crazy, you know, and I'm kind of like looking up where I would just at, and like, I'm telling you, I, it was so crazy because as our bus stop is approaching, it narrows into Yamal, and it's showing that like it has the written uh, name of the city I was just at, Salihard, right there on the map, and I'm like, and Deborah's looking at it, I'm looking at it at the same time, and our mouths are kind of open, and we're like, our doors open for us to get out of the bus at that moment, and we're like, looking at each other, like, trying to gather ourselves to get out of the bus with the kids, and we're like, getting out of the bus, and we're like, did that just happen? Wow, <laughs> we're just like, dude. what was that? So, uh, after that, we're like, well, I guess the next step is just to try to get there, because that would also be, you know, God could close the door if, if we're not supposed to go. Uh, but he could also open it so because it's hard to get to Russia, hard to get visas and all that stuff. And so that's what put us on the journey of getting here. And we, we ended up, yeah, then moving and a long process getting here. A lot of money, a lot of resources spent, you know, but, uh, but we're here and we have our, our temporary residency. And um, yeah, and um, so now we're what we're doing here is uh, the vision from the get go was to try to plant churches, you know, small home fellowships. Um, in different places uh, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of small towns and villages in this area and so what i wanted to do was kind of plant one you know and then have the people help me plant the next one and have the people do and then it kind of you know mm -hmm. so that's still the goal we plugged into uh, we started uh doing that on our own but then this church in Southern card that helped us get here they're like why are you separating yourselves from us we want to be a part of this too you know let's do this together sweet so uh yeah it was cool so we uh me and the pastor there are really good friends, Anatoly, and we, uh, yeah, so he actually has me on the board there at the, at the church to help with decision making and stuff, and um, he, I'm kind of in charge of missions vehicles, and because here you need missions vehicles, you need a snowmobile, you need uh, a trailer, you need uh, to be able to haul the snowmobile around, you need special types of vehicles, you know, to be able to get to different places, so, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I've, I've recruited a, a guy to help me who's a mechanic and we're always fixing things and right now we're building a church garage and uh yeah just all sorts of things to try to be able to get out there to these places and uh yeah it's really cool the church that we we started planning in Naxarka, a small town of about five thousand people um just this past year is like the first year where where now they are going we're taking them on mission trips and they're actually reaching out to their families to people they know in different villages so we've been going to these three other villages this past year and i mean it's it's happening uh, slowly but it's happening and uh i'm really still praying i get discouraged at times that it's happening slowly i want it to go faster but god has his own timing so uh, mm -hmm. but we're that's our goal is to try to get it to these different towns and villages and just see the gospel spread throughout the region and get to the ends of the earth you know so how much uh does like the the orthodox church uh have there or do you guys even encounter them and and what, yeah, we what do. denomination we do. um yeah we do have the orthodox you know crazy stories we have a guy that uh, this past winter he's helped me quite a bit i've been discipling him his name Bob, and he comes out of the orthodox church so he he was in the orthodox church he was a missionary here in yamal for the orthodox church we actually ran into him a couple of times in some of these different places, but he just couldn't agree with the vision of the Orthodox Church, and he felt something was wrong, so he ended up joining us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I mean, it really, he's uh, he really loves it because he sees God at work, and you know, um, we can't pay him money like the Orthodox Church could, um, but he's still here. Which at first, you know, I was kind of thought maybe he's doing it 
money, but no, he's still, you know, working hard, reaching people and, and which is really neat. He's still got a lot of things that he's learning and stuff, but he's learning and he's changing and it, it's really neat to see that. Um, so yeah, I mean, several people received the Lord from these past few trips that we took and uh, yeah, it's really neat to see how God's using him. He's kind of my organizer for all the trips now and he's, you know, busy getting people together and calling people ahead of time to get to the places and meet. So, so yeah, the Orthodox Church is involved here with everything. And uh, in fact, in school, the kids, uh, my my oldest daughter, she had to have a class uh, world religions this year, and it's led by an Orthodox priest and a and a Muslim mom. So wow, uh, they yeah, they are the respected religions in Russia, the official uh, kind of official religion. So they have a mosque here, and they have a uh, they're building a huge Orthodox church here, and. Uh, I actually uh, broke my car pulling out an Orthodox priest one time on, on the road when the weather conditions were really bad. Uh, and it was the, the crazy thing. Okay. I mean, just weird things happen here, but uh, we, we pull up, you know, we see this nice, beautiful land cruiser on the side of the road, just stuck. And uh, you know, I have an older land cruiser, you know, it helps to be able to get around and have a all wheel yeah. drive vehicle and stuff. Oh, but yeah. uh, so I, I stopped to help him, whoever this person is, you know, and as soon as we stopped, Rasislava is with me this, formal orthodox uh minister you know he's now with us and and he's like oh i know that guy i was like you do he's like yeah that's the priest that i used to work for i was like really <laughs> so we get out and uh we start pulling him out i end up breaking breaking uh my car uh pulling him out but uh but anyway we pull him out and he's he's like what are you guys doing i said where are you going he's like or Rislav asked him first, and, and the guy was like yeah i just got i'm leaving Aksatka from ministering to the people there and he's like oh cool like where are you guys going he's going we're going to a bible study in exotica and he was like his jaw dropped the the priest and he's just like stop talking to us <laughs> at that point in time but um yeah you have different relationships we have one translator who talks to the orthodox church and you know she tries she tries to keep this kind of neutral ground where she can then um give them the translated material so that they pass on to the people hoping that they'll uh, they'll use their resources to get the gospel out in the Ninyat language. So um, she kind of keeps that type of relationship with them. But uh, yeah, with us, we're kind of more, they see us as troublemakers in a, in a sect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like they do in most places. So yeah, it's been interesting dealing with the same kind of thing here in Lviv. And then I have, uh, you know, Irpin, the suburb of Kiev. It's now a uh -huh. suburb, I think. Um, <laughs> I hope they don't get offended that I call it that, but it's basically just another neighborhood that's adding itself to Kiev, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, here in Lviv, in general, uh, the Greek Catholic Church, which is a bunch of Orthodox churches that got together and decided they wanted the Pope back, um, <laughs> they, uh, they think of us as, like, we are a cult, like, uh, in general. Yeah. Roman Catholics uh, are... Like they've even used our materials. They use our worship songs. They they yeah. are like open arms. They they wow. they wanna wanna have fellowship with us. The cool. the Greek not Greek the the Ukrainian Orthodox Church is like the Greek uh, Greek Catholic Church, and then the the Moscow Church. I haven't even I haven't met. I think I met one person in ten years that goes to a church like that. Maybe two. Uh huh. So yeah, not not nearly <laughs> yeah. as many you know Russian Orthodox here. Um, yeah, but uh, so I was talking in I think it was my last interview or the or time before last. It was actually how to engage uh, 
uh, people from the big four, we call them the big mm-hmm. four, the Russian Orthodox Church, the, uh, the Greek Catholic Church, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, and the Roman Catholic Church, the big four yeah. here. Um, and uh, so, like, if there was someone from the Russian Orthodox Church, how would you engage them? How, what kind of opportunities or would you allow would you reject like does that make sense yeah. like how close of a relationship uh would you as a missionary have with them yeah it, it's so situational that it's hard to like give a like one you know because yeah. every every person is from a different situation and i've had countless encounters with people who always tell me they're russian orthodox but they have no idea what what that means you know um so you've got the nominals you got the the ones like Rostislav who went to seminary at a, at a Orthodox church and uh, which I found it easier to talk to him. And, and maybe it's because of his background with this priest that he had in the past. That was a really good priest actually, who, who didn't really hold all the traditions. He was kind of like one of those priests who's like, eh, forget about that stuff. Let's, let's focus on reaching the lost is kind of his idea. So he had a good background uh, in some, so with him, it was simple because we just, I, I could say, Hey, well, let's look at the Bible, you know? And he would, at first he was talk about, you know, what this guy wrote, that guy wrote. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, let's see if that agrees with what the Bible says, you know? And I just kept taking him back to the Bible. And, um, and eventually I think he started to see it himself and, and to where now he's like, he doesn't, he, he kind of laughs at those other writings and uh, sees that, that they don't really agree with the Bible, most of them, you know? And so yeah. for him, it was taking him to the Bible. The lady on the train, for example, though, like it was just, I think it was her having to see that I really am in love with the Lord, you know, that she, she was Orthodox, but she knew that that something wasn't right with it, you know, because then at the end, she's, how do I pick the right kind of church to go to? So every encounter I've had has been different and God kind of leads me in those moments. So I'm not a very, I'm not very good with, with um, having a system, you know, that, that I use. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, which some people are good at that. And I, and I'm not against those things. I use people who, who have, you know, systems sometimes to be able to get into a conversation or something. But most of the people I've come in contact with, I can tell they either really don't care, uh, you know, what I'm going to say. And, you know, so I try to use assertion uh, uh, whether or not I'm going to, you know, go deeper or just put a seed of, of, of something in there, you know, throw, sow some seeds and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Um, or if I'm going to really like, use something to, to try to persuade them, you know, um, that, Hey, look, you know, you need to look at what you're believing in because it's not leading to Christ. It's, you know, tradition. So it just trying to find discernment, I think in every situation is hard, but that's what you have to do. I think as a believer is when you come in contact with somebody, the best, I mean, the best and most powerful thing with any, any, uh, group though, like Jehovah's witnesses or, or Orthodox, it's always your life. And that's what people notice. First of all, and that's what everybody I've talked to who's ever come out of something has always said. It was the way they treated me. It was the way they listened to me. It was the way they, they talked to me with grace and love. And so, yeah, that just seems to be the thing that's worked most here where I'm at. Um, and people that I've met, it's just pouring love and, and trying to show them that, you know, and, and just putting in a few seeds of, of doubt of what they believe already or, or, uh, or maybe just putting in seeds of truth, you know. And, and stating some some very obvious things that Jesus said in the Bible that's in the Orthodox you know Bible uh, to show them why I live here why I live the way I do you know then for them to then examine wait do we believe that you know <laughs> so just trying to sow as many seeds of truth out there and, and get people to, to realize that that he loves them and 
that he really does care about what they do. Yeah, I think what you said about listening is really important. I wrote a, uh, a term paper uh, in seminary about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and how to, how to interact with them, you know, so that we're not attacking, yeah. but we're actually sharing the gospel and they're hearing it because we can, we can say anything we want, but yeah. they're not going to hear it unless you say it in a way that, well, that, that doesn't feel like you're, you're like throwing a book at them or, or something, you know, like, right. so, right. so yeah. And, and the main way, at least that's, that's worked for me so far is listening. And yes. you, you really try to understand them. And once they yes. see, Oh, this person's actually trying to understand me, then they're yeah. willing to say, okay, so, so what do you believe about that? Or once, once they see that you understand, I've also uh, asked, can I, can I share my perspective on this? Yeah. And, and they're it's just so open, you know? Oh so. yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of, and I love, you know, Dr. Ravi Zacharias and his ministry and the, and the guys on this team, uh, Abdu and all of them, they, they always seem to do that. You know, when somebody asks a question, they're like, thank you. That was a great question. You know, like the, you try to encourage the person to make them realize, look, I care about you as an individual. And I think that, that that definitely opens the doors of their heart as opposed to the attack approach, which I've taken before. And I can tell you as a testimony of the way not to do it, uh, I, I've done it before with a Jehovah's Witness. And it just, I mean, I never saw the person again. It, it was like, okay, bye, you know, and and that was it, you know, and I made that mistake. And um, and I don't want to make that mistake again. It, it just, yeah, I, I realized that they don't... And, you know, to add to that, I think one thing, one other thing that I, I wish I would do more often, and I don't do this often enough, I wish I did, is when I, when I talk to somebody, uh, yes, trying to show them that I love them, but then showing myself that I love them by praying for them. Because I think when I'm done with the conversation, I just, oh, okay, you know, did I mm -hmm. say it all right? Did I do it all right? You know, and then it's all about what I did, as opposed to then saying, okay, I did the easy part. Now, Holy Spirit, please work in this person's heart, do some miracle in there so that then they see that you're real, so that they see that you can do mighty works, you know, and, and really praying because then I'm showing myself that I care about that person. And I'm showing myself that I depend more upon God's change in their lives than I do upon what I said. And so I think that that is something I'm trying to do. I don't do a very good job of it, but I want to do better at that in the, in the future. Amen. Amen. Just for anybody who's watching, if you've gotten this far and you, you like uh, what you're hearing, please like and subscribe. Uh, hit the notification bell like you hear from every other YouTuber. I know it gets annoying, but yeah. Um, if we can switch gears a little bit, uh, yeah. I think there's, if uh, you know people are interested in missions, I think that's probably the main uh, viewers that we have. So there may be several or at least a couple that watch this that think, like maybe I'm supposed to be a missionary. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm supposed to move to a Yamal or to Lviv where David is, or, you know, David or David. Um, uh, so like, if there's somebody that's asking that question, where should they start to find the answer? Yeah, I, I really think that this is where the church really has to come into play. And I hope that this person, I would pray that this person's in a good church with a good pastor, with a good group of believers who can help them with that. Because, you know, I believe that God has given us the gifts for a reason in the body. You know, you have the people who have the gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, and, and the different gifts where they can really, uh, you know, I, I've seen people go, you know, kind of like solo missionaries, and I, I never see any good come of it. When you, 
when you're part of a church, you can check, you can, you know, see, is this what God's calling me? You can pray together with other believers. And, uh, you know, I want more missionaries to get out there, you know, do the, there, there's such a need for that, you know, the, the, um, but at the same time, I want, I, I really think that it's important that it's done correctly. And that, that has to be the church doing that, you know, mm-hmm. um, the church churches that send, you know, and that, uh, people, they, they are, I, I believe the pastor will help you to know, okay, yes, this is what God's calling me to. Okay. What do I need to do to prepare now to get there? And they can really direct and show you how you need to prepare because I, I really think that there are individual cases with that. You know, there's some people who are already have been prepared to a certain degree, you know, or have gone through a schooling or, or whatnot. And so um, they may need less preparation or there's others who, who maybe have very little preparation and need a little more. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's important. It's important where they're going, who's there in that place. Maybe they're going to join a ministry and further discipled by someone in that area, which is great as well if that person is ready for that and being in touch with those missionaries in that area um if you're going to to kind of trailblaze like uh paul billings does and and um many other missionaries who go out you know and they're they're kind of the, the trailblazers like my my dad in kiev and stuff then uh you know there i think they had a lot of preparation that happened prior you know they were in churches that he was my dad was a pastor of a church in Indi- indiana that that split you know a lot of experience in the past that that brought him to that point. Yeah, um, but even your yeah. dad or, or your brother-in-law, they're they're not rogues. Like no. I I think there's no. there's a huge difference between a trailblazer and a rogue missionary. And I don't know if there's I much agree. worse on the mission field than a rogue yeah. missionary. It, yeah. I agree. I mean, Paul, you look at Paul and Barnabas, you know, they were sent out by the church in Antioch. All these missionaries in the past, we think of them maybe like rogue, but they're not. They were all sent out. They were all part of a church, a body of believers where they were praying and fasting and the Holy Spirit revealed, you know, that this is what needs to happen through the prophets in the church, you know? So like we think of prophets like these crazy, whatever people, but they're, they're really the people who hear the voice of God and, and what he's saying and, and are relaying that then to the people. And so I think that, you know, that there's those people in the church. We don't maybe have those official titles anymore, but there are those people in the church that, you know, if you pray with them, They'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm, I don't know exactly what this means, but this is what I feel like God wanted me to tell you. Or mm-hmm. you have the, the pastor who can help with, with the, some discernment, you know, be like, yeah, that's interesting that you're, you're into that. Let's look, let's further explore. Let's see what, you know, the Lord says. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I definitely would agree that it's the church together, coming together to then take you and say, hey, yes, this person, then you have a good support base you have a prayer support base, you have a financial support base if that's needed. Um, and, and you're able then to be watched after, you know, and, and always keeping that humble attitude. Like, am I doing this right? I want more people to check on me. I want more people to see what, you know, what's going on. How, Hey, you know, call the pastor, call this person. Is this the right decision? You know, and, and whatnot. So I think having that humble attitude and just, um, being part of the body, you know, is important. And also, I think it's important to realize that uh, Calvary Chapel is not the only body of Christ, you know, it's not uh, the amen. Only section. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I have really appreciated, you know, uh, my, my brothers and sisters here that are Pentecostal, Baptist, charismatic. I don't agree with them yeah. on everything. Obviously, there's right. even things that if we sat down and, and wanted to have a conversation, we'd probably get into a fight over some of these things. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if you know, I serve in an indigenous Baptist church in Yehobet church. And, uh, but I'm a Calvary Chapel missionary. 
Yeah. So I'm one of the really weird missionaries that has that unique opportunity. But yesterday I was yeah. at at a at a Zoom meeting. Um, I was at a prayer meeting with all the Baptist pastors uh, in Lviv, yes. and we have this really cool accountability. And then today I was at a at a at a meeting, um, another Zoom meeting, which was uh, 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 Baptists, Charismatics, Pentecostals, and any any other Protestant denomination that wants to be a part of this. Uh, we get together and we just pray for one another. We don't talk about doctrine. Uh, yeah. We don't invite anybody that doesn't believe in the same soteriology that we do, uh, like salvation, you know, like sola gratia, yeah. basically, you know. Um, right, right. But uh, But aside from that, we just pray for one another. And, yeah. and having that accountability, if, if I eventually, which I, you know, someday I'd like to plant a Calvary. Um, if I do that, if the Lord, you know, brings that to pass, then I still want to go to those meetings and hang out yeah. with these brothers because there's such Amen. a strength. There's such oh, a, yes. you know, yeah. there's, it's so like, I mean, it feeds my soul, man. So, yeah. I mean, and you have to still like in that, sometimes you have to deal with some of the unpleasant parts of it, you know, those slight disagreements or this or that. But in the end, the result is is awesome. You know, if you can get, if you can be mature enough to be able to handle that stuff, I think that which God brings that maturity in our lives. But it does, God can do some crazy, awesome things through that unity in the body, you know, that is just, I mean, it's incredible. The, the church, like I said, here in Sulekar, the same thing, you know, we came and he was kind of, the pastor was offended. Like, why, why are we separate? You know, I like, there's no reason to be. I just thought you didn't really, you know, I'm doing the thing. He's like, no, let's, let's get together. So now we have like men's meeting together. We do everything together, you know, and, and all the resources are shared, you know, everything I have is, you know, everything that the, the church in Exotica has is theirs and vice versa. Praise and, uh, you know, what's, what's really cool is that they started teaching through the word. He's like, Hey, you know, um, I, I was, I was saying, you know, this is the way that, that Czech Calvary Chapel does it. And he's like, I really like that. He's like, what if we taught at the same time, Aksarka and Selikar, we started teaching through the word at the same time, the same scriptures. And then we can just like, if you need to teach in Selikar, then you can come here and teach the same thing you were going to teach in Aksarka and vice versa. You know, it's like, that's awesome. Let's do it. You know, so <laughs> that is amazing. So it, yes. It's really cool. I love it. You know, cause uh, I was having him listen to some Chuck Jacks while we were on a trip to Muji on the winter river. And, and he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So anyway, just God's done some cool things through that, through, through unity uh, of the church. And yeah, just uh, finding, finding people who have that same vision to reach the lost is really cool. There's some other churches I saw and connected with though in the city that would be cool to, to get, get with. So mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I'm concerned about with a uh, Calvary Chapel as a movement with some, some, you know, some areas of the world. Uh, yeah. Is that uh, at, at least with Ukraine, Protestants are such a small, uh, niche or like a section of the of the population that yeah. sometimes when a calvary is planted uh a bunch of people leave other churches and they they come into this this new church which i'm not saying jesus and jesus is the head of the church and he'll move people around you know how he wants to and and it's okay yeah. like i don't think it's a sin to move from one church to another just because you feel like god's doing that but at the same yeah at the at the same time uh i've talked to a, a couple couple of um local pastors and i've talked to other calvary pastors and you know the, uh, there's a church being planted here there's a church being planted there and sometimes it feels like oh you guys stole our worship leader oh mm -hmm. you guys stole two home fellowship leaders there was actually a a, a a local baptist church that was started and they took ministers from other baptist churches without talking 
you know, between the churches. And, and there was like a, a big conflict over that. So like, I think having this very unique accountability and, and these groups yeah. of people that I do in, in Lviv, I'm so thankful for it because there was a, there was actually a Baptist pastor, ah, losing my words here. There was a Baptist pastor that came to me one day and he knows I'm not a Baptist. He knows that I serve in a Baptist church, but he knows I'm not a Baptist, you know, and he knows that eventually I want to plant another church. And he said, David, I have five other pastors right now that will be behind you that are, wow. they have nothing to do with Calvary. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, so praise the yeah, Lord. And we should, we should use those relationships. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it, it is essential. And Paul talks about it, you know, and you look at the early church too, you know, they had lots of churches in one city, lots of home groups, you know, uh, uh, in different cities. So, you know, it's cool that there's different, demo- if we, if there wasn't, we wouldn't be able to reach as many people as the church is reaching today, you know, and I, I appreciate those other churches and, and, you know, people have talked about this before, but the different types of personalities, even, you know, it, it reaches the different types of personalities. And the Chuck types. used to talk about and, that, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, one thing that I've also noticed too, is that, um, you know, with these different groups in the different places and stuff and reaching different people, is that um, oftentimes it also creates this this kind of um, well, just not just the unity, but also a checking for yourself. Like you start thinking, okay, maybe I'm maybe I need to think this through again. You know, why do I do it this way? Why do? And it really does help to I think also purify the church and to help us to examine ourselves, and uh, and it, and it it can help run out pride, you know, and get rid of those things if we let it it can have the adverse effect of as well as just bringing about arguments and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I think that if, if we let it, it can also help us to check ourselves and to, to make sure, Hey, maybe that's better. <laughs> maybe that's a better way to do things right now than, yeah. than what I was doing before or whatever, you know? So yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. The uh, Calvary Chapel still doesn't have a seminary in Eastern Europe, you know, and uh, I'm good friends with the faculty Dean of the pastoral program here. And, uh like the the seminary has been such a blessing not just to me but to a bunch of other calvary folks and then for from us to them like john your brother uh over in ternopil um he's constantly writing songs and doing seminars and stuff like that about about those things and that's been feeding into the seminary so like yeah. this whole given thing we're the body of christ we should be the body of it christ is. you know so yeah yeah so um Okay, getting back to that question, uh, you'd say uh, with uh, how do I know if I'm supposed to be a missionary? You say make sure you're in, in connection with the church. Don't be a rogue. Uh, is there anything else that you would say uh, to to somebody that's seeking? You know, how do I, how am I supposed to be? How am I supposed to know if I'm supposed to be a missionary? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the key thing, like I said, was the church. Um, you know, being being sent out by them. Uh, but, uh, if for yourself as well, you know, cause there are situations, unfortunately, where, where churches, uh, don't recognize, um, and you know, that, that should be a question of, of more, oh, yeah. why are you going to that church, I guess. But, uh, but there was like situations like Gladys Elwood too, who, who was told by the missions agency, you know, she was going through an agency that she couldn't be a, a missionary, but then she was one of the best missionaries we've ever seen, you know? So, um, there's few situations like that, but just really, uh, you know, checking with the Lord to praying, being in, in close fellowship with him, 
but uh, always seeking, I think, because even she had other people who were making sure that she was on the right track, you know, like she found those people who were going to pray, who were going to, um, yeah, make sure that she was on the right road. So I think there's always that um, necessity to, to seek wisdom uh, from true believers, people who you see are full of the gift of wisdom, um, and, and those who can guide you, a pastor. Um, yeah, so I see it as the church really being a, a huge part of that sending mm -hmm. you out praise the lord praise the lord is there um wrapping up now how can we pray for you guys like uh you know you can be as general or as specific as you like but uh but yeah like to i i keep wanting guys. you know I, I just want god to give us more vision you know to to be able to uh how we can fulfill what what he's called us to do you know we all have this same goal we want to reach as many people as we can reach. We want the gospel to spread. Uh, but then the, the question in, in every place is going to be different about how you do that. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted uh, the church to be full of, of the Holy Spirit to be able to everybody be using their gifts, you know, the way that God's gifted them um, to be reaching the lost. Uh, but also that we would have vision as a, as a body to be able to do that um, the right way, you know. So however that needs to come about because that can come about so many different ways by him, you know, humbling us by him, you know, showing us that we need to stop something or, or start something else. So yeah, just however that needs to take place that he would uh, uh, direct us in a more clear manner. Mm -hmm. is the, that's my main prayer request, uh, personal prayer requests. Uh, just probably uh, it's difficult when things at home are, are difficult. It's difficult to minister. So yeah, just uh, for, my wife's health, uh, in general, she, she, she struggles with a lot of health issues. Um, and, uh, it's hard for her cause we live kind of outside town. And so with the language and school and all those things, the practical things at home, I know she would just appreciate as much prayer support as possible with, uh, yeah, with, uh, those things whenever I'm gone or, um, right now I'm, I'm able to be at home even, even at that still, I'm not doing enough to be able to help, but, uh, yeah, with schooling and, and the practical things of life, I think, uh, so that I'm able to go out, those things are needed. Mm -hmm. Is, uh, I want to, when you talk about vision for your church, mm -hmm. um, how has your strategy vision changed uh, at all with this epidemic and everything? Like, um, is is now a hard time to plan ahead uh or has that changed at all for how far you guys are out there yeah i mean it's definitely affected us because all of our activities were traveling and so now we can't travel uh even from town to town because they've closed the borders of the towns to where we're oh, not wow. allowed to go uh, into the different towns so right now we're stuck in the city that we're in which is, uh, like I said, we live on the outskirts of Silicon Valley, and we minister in Exotica. So right now, all of our church meetings have been on Zoom, um, okay. and there's a few people who don't have that ability to get on Zoom. So, um, but we're learning, you know, to which is, you know, been a good thing, you know, for a learning curve on technology and how we can stay connected, uh, and then having giving them assignments, you know, via the phone or or online too has helped. Uh, for them to be able to read ahead and, and to um, look at different resources and, and how can we reach out uh, through technology? Because I believe that God's blessed us with this uh, 
this way of reaching out to the youth to and older people are using it too now technology so we're using contact and, and facebook and wherever we can social media to be able to, to spread the gospel and using different holidays like easter was great you know being able to post a bunch of stuff about about that um people in the church got excited about that because they can do that you know and it's it's neat to see so but also um i think with vision what i'm what i'm looking at is if this continues for a prolonged period of time how can we practically be showing people we love them because that was a huge part of our ministry before chopping wood you know was a part of our ministry before or bringing groceries or bringing clothing and stuff to different people and so right now we're trying to figure that out what are the practical things we can do as a body um, to minister to the people uh, in our communities and uh, so yeah that's a this will be a good time to see who steps up also in the in the local community over there you know that that uh I, I remember several several situations in like uh, I think Kyrgyzstan was also that way when when they kicked out all the Americans and and then some situations yeah. that have happened here in Ukraine like you really I mean you you take away the Americans then you see uh, like you know the the shades are blown away you you see what's yeah. actually there you know like that kind of thing yeah mm. yeah for sure and and somebody had asked me that before I have a, a close friend who keeps me. Um, in Czech, uh, it's a, actually not even Calvary Chapel, not a Calvary Chapel, but uh, um, it's Feed the Crave Ministries is actually what they're called. But they, uh, yeah, he calls me, Sean does, the, the leader of it. And um, we talk every so often. And he, he always asks me, he's like, so do you feel like the ministry could continue without you? And, you know, that made me, the first time he asked me that, it made me think about it for a second. I was thinking, I, you know, I think it would. I'm, I'm hoping it would, you know, but, but yeah, trying to set things up so that, yeah, if, if I'm taken out of the picture, then it's going to continue without me, you know? So, um, yeah. So just trying to keep that in mind all the time. Can mm-hmm. this continue without me? Is it going to be God's work? Is it, is it God's work? You know? So mm-hmm. that's important that we're constantly trying to make sure he's moving while I'm an important piece, maybe right now, for sure. It, you know, definitely, uh, he can do it, <laughs> you know, through the believers here. Am I preparing them for that? So, yeah. Amen. We need to be raising up the next generation. Otherwise, we're all temporary. Even if you're in the United States and you're faster over there or something like that, we're all going to be called home someday. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Can we pray? Can I pray for you now? Yeah, that'd be awesome. So anybody that's watching, let's, uh, let's pray. So God, thank you so much for David and the Markey family and uh, Debbie over there and and the kids and their, their ministry and the church that they're partnering with and, uh, all of these believers in these little towns, um, pray that you would encourage, that you would give vision, that you would give uh, your strategy or your uh, strength to practically love people, Lord. And and if this uh, drags on and on, that you would that you would make these steps clear, Lord. Help us to be prepared for whatever comes next, and also help us to be prepared for when finally. Uh, the quarantines are lifted and and what the new reality will look like. We talked about that today with uh, some other pastors. Um, pray for your church to be full of the Holy Spirit, Lord, regardless of where it is or or if there's just two or three gathered or if there's many more, Lord. And I pray for the Marquis at home, God, uh, that you would uh, bless David and his wife and their kids uh, with language learning, with schooling the kids, with other practical things that, the, that David be, would be uh, a strong uh, support to his wife and that, uh, that you would just bless their family Lord, give them give them all of your grace god for that and i pray uh 
for just a continuing ministry, God, God, that you would uh, show them your love for them through that. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, man. Hey, thank you so much, David. Yeah, it's great talking with you. I really appreciate that you taking the time. Oh, same here. It was a blessing. Bye-bye.